0: Everyone relax. This is Top. Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the first faux fop of 2014. I'm Will Anderson and guest Charlie Clawson. Matt Kershon is hey. back. Hello, Matt.
1: Hello. I'm honoured to be the f- I was the first one of the year. Well, I was just
0: telling you that Dave Anthony and I actually recorded two episodes the other night, um, but um, these microphones that we're speaking into... Weren't plugged in. They, were, well, they well, they were w- plugged in. I w- just hadn't flicked it over on the recording device to them. Sorry. So it was just recording through the speakers that it has on it. So often when we're using really good mic technique and putting these in front of our mouths, yep. that is actually blocking sound <laughs> to those speakers. So yeah. I'm going to put this up as the first episode, not those ones. I'll do those okay. as a bonus later.
1: It's al- almost the closer you got and the more you are doing it properly. Like I'm just going to bring the mic really close now right. to get I'm getting it get real here for a second. Yeah.
0: Like nothing. No nothing. One.
1: Inaudible. <laughs> if someone
0: is transcribing the episode, <laughs> it would just say brackets inaudible <laughs> 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 uh, yeah so uh but so now yes yeah, so you are guest number one so that's cool like I like that it's a brand new year people are excited it's brand new uh, year it's a brand new me so is it a brand new year Well, not
1: really are though. you a
0: person who like is a resolutions person are you I'm a not pers- at all
1: I'm no. not I've never been a resolutions person I think I'd like to say it's because I know deep down I wouldn't keep it but actually I'm too lazy to even keep a resolu- to even make a resolution that right. keep it like I think it's kind of bullshit also that they are proven to not work. Well, are I th- they? I think so. That's, like, I, I think so? Have you just made up You know up what? That I just, that's a complete... <laughs> I'm very glad you called me on that because I just, I did the thing that I hate, which is just go, yeah, it's, a, it's an absolute fact that, no, not a fact at all. No. That's just pure received wisdom. Yeah, that, You like, just read a headline
0: once. Read. I didn't want to read the rest of the article in case there was actually I, caveats to that headline
1: that you read that you enjoyed. As I was exiting a train once, I saw someone reading an article of... like. Uh, an issue of closer magazine and and just in the corner of my eye something said something about news resolutions not working Or like it was like a yahoo headline that scrolled past i don't know
0: i'm like you i'm judge of that we see it very often in things like the climate debate or whatever right you know you see people going well there's one scientist Mm -hmm. and you know he he works for an oil company so he wouldn't lie yeah i mean he's got a great job
1: at an oil company It's, it's that thing of like every opinion carrying equal weight right like every, yeah, with something like the climate, particularly with science, climate or vaccines or anything, that, like the BBC, and I'm sure ABC in Australia is the same because they're publicly funded, so they have a remit to be fair. or the, um, they, they sort of go, well, we have to give every side of the. No, you fucking. Right. Not when one side is just wrong and crazy. They don't carry. When one side is the World Health Organization and the other side is Jenny McCarthy. Right. It doesn't, like, they're not equally.
0: Accurate. I was watching actually on this very topic because uh, I had an awkward moment with uh, Rob Schneider because I don't know. Were you,
1: did you watch one of his films on a plane or something?
0: Yes, <laughs> that, that one about anal rape. That, that whole movie. I, have you ever seen that no, movie? Well, he self-financed were- the movie. This was a movie that even Sandler wouldn't throw in twelve million <laughs> for. Like, and Sandler's got twelve million stuffed down the back of his couch. You know, right. like it, Sandler's buying people cars for grown-ups. You know, I mean, he's got some money to spend. And his good mate, uh, Juice Bigelow, the Mar gigolo, mm-hmm. also the European gigolo, has come to him and said, I've got this great idea for this movie, which right. is all about I go to prison and I'm really worried about people raping me. <laughs> like, that's the premise. Like, that is like, the entire premise of How, the movie.
1: Where did this idea for the f- film come? Oh, a, dream. A, yeah, dream. a dream. It was a dream. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> It was <like>, a <laughs> dream. That's the only place that.
0: So a man who self-finan- self-financed a, a film yep. uh, about anal rape uh, he um also is a vaccine denier. I don't know if you knew that, but I he's did. a Sir Rob yeah, Schneider is a he's vac- a very prominent vaccine denier. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's become he's voicing over all their like sort of ad slash you know I knew, documentaries. I knew, he's the Morgan Freeman of Wow the of of the anti vaccine world. I knew
1: that that um there's one of the Kennedys, I think it's Robert Kennedy, is is in there in that camp as well. Really? I love because the logic of it is just
0: fucking insane because they do all these things where they basically they just say, well, in the last 30 years, vaccines in America have gone through the roof and in that same time period, autism has gone through the roof. Yeah,
1: it's... Therefore, exactly. vaccines call... And, and then people go, um, well, actually the rate of autism diagnoses have gone up but that's because we're now much better at diagnosing autism and people who previously might have been just who were on the spectrum who might have previously been dismissed as a little bit socially inept and now like, oh no, this person has Asperger's or whatever. Right. Um, But that's the vaccines talking. Yeah, that's (laughs) That's exactly. (laughs) That's what they're shooting into you, (laughs) uh, those lies. I'm basically shilling for the big farm right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm a shill for the pharmaceutical companies. But
0: but it's absolutely right what you're saying. But also, if you look at the autism and the uh, vaccine statistics side by side, like... Autism in the last twenty years has yep. got. There's no actual sort of like, unless it k- didn't kick in for ten years. It's like saying that more people are wearing Crocs now. Yeah. And in the last thirty years, people have been getting vaccinated. Right. Therefore, getting vaccinated causes people wear to Crocs.
1: That actually, there is some evidence. Right. right. <laughs> well, then I'm not letting my kids get vaccinated. Well done, Rob Schneider. <laughs> You've talked me around. I don't care how comfortable that footwear is. It looks weird and it's not right. I'm Not having it.
0: Uh that's probably bad news for my movie
1: Croc Dundee. It's like it's like it's a
0: Crocodile Dundee remake, but he's just in comfortable shoes in just,
1: the middle of the outback. It's just where he's just been in been in the Western world for too long now and he's just let himself go to seed.
0: That would actually be not a bad movie if you did Crocodile Dundee now. Yeah. Like not trying to reboot him as he's still cool and whatever. But the idea was that Crocodile Dundee came to America to live with and, his hot wife. And he's just been and Americanized. He's just because he hasn't worked for all that time, because like, yeah. he couldn't get a job, and he's just become... He has no
1: transferable skills. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he's just an old, unemployed dude. What are your skills? Well, I can discourage muggers right. and summon beasts. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, if,
0: if a buffalo comes in, <laughs> yeah. I've got that shit I've covered with my fingers. But other than that, I'm <laughs> no good to you. Uh, so what, what is your new year? What was your Christmas and new year? What has it involved so far,
1: Matt? What's it? Well, I just you only... went back to London, right? Yeah, I was well, just... it London? Is that where you go back to? That is. Well, my parents live on the outskirts of London, and oh. I stayed there most of the time. Uh, they live like so. They they're on the Tube map, ish. They're, they're just they're just count as London have they put their own page on? Yeah, have they yeah. stuck it. they <laughs>
0: yes. printed it out they're of just Google Maps. It there. Just... just a picture
1: of them smiling at the end of. <laughs> they go. Who are those people?
0: They're going around to, like Banksy style, just whacking <laughs> yes. it on different Tube pictures. I like it.
1: Uh, but um. So I, I was I was there, but it was great. I got to. You know, the, I still think I got some really good friends out here now. But my closest friends in the world still live in London. Uh-huh. So I got to see. Uh, so I got to see all of those guys. I got to go skiing because uh, thanks to Marcus Brigstock originally there's now a network of gigs and ski resorts in in the French Alps.
0: Okay, now so you go to the French Alps to do. Hang on. I, yeah. Like so, I assume. And look, you know, I'm pretending a little bit because I do kind of know what you mean. Yeah. But I'm assuming you're not just like you know on skis yelling jokes at people as they go well, down. Well, we the... are,
1: but then in the evening, yeah. Right. <laughs> just, just hang on. Michael Schumacher's over there. I've got some great. <laughs> that's two exactly. Two scenes, guys. That's exactly the resort, by the way. Oh, Like Meribel. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, like um, uh, like he went off piece, but he went just mildly off piece. Like off, like there's like a gap between two different slopes, and those two slopes that he skied between when he fell. Were, that was exactly where I was skiing. I was down that route many oh, really? times. Meribel um, and the, th- the Three Valleys is the area. Um, and so you were there like just before? Uh, yeah, I was there happened? literally a week before it happened. Okay, here's a, uh, here's a comedic question. Yeah.
0: If you're doing gigs on those slopes when shit like that happens, like big topical news story,
1: yeah. is anyone going to do Schumacher gear in that situation? I do don't you know. Think? I mean, I was out there with, um, with Kai Humphreys and Andre Vincent. Andre and Vincent I'm, Mike I'm pretty sure if it had happened when we were still out there, I'm pretty sure Andre would have opened with it. Right. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I'm pretty <really>, like <laughs> yeah. Uh, like uh, knowing Andre, I think that would be the first word. I don't know what the words would be, but right. they would be they would get a oh, um, But I think if you live in a ski resort, or if you if you're one of the seasonaires or even one of the people who lives there full year round. Mm-hmm injuries and it, what, like what every... is hang on just before we go on i was season air. yeah is... what it, <laughs> i love that you knew
0: what i was about yeah, to blurting ask out. Um, <laughs> i let off off-piste go by because yeah. i thought well
1: people might know what well, off-piste I, is. you know what actually that's some one... australians might be like well, and was the americans drunk. Was and like... i think americans call it backcountry skiing okay uh, off-piste means skiing on any of the bits that aren't like the, right. the groomed bashed down ski slopes. Yeah, right. Um, and they range So between. in
0: that Rob Schneider movie, he was worried that another prisoner might go
1: off peace Exactly. Back <laughs> country, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, seasonaires are... Um, so you. you pl- basically, when you're doing the gigs out there, there's three different type groups of people. Uh-huh. There's like the tourists, like the holiday makers. Yep. There's the people who live there all year round, which are actually not that many people. Um, and particularly not the English-speaking ones. And then seasoners make out a large amount of the people who are out there, and they are people who go there for the entire ski season, which runs from like late November through till end of March, right? Maybe even early April, and and they normally work like fairly shitty jobs, but in exchange for getting to be out there, right. So it's the same, like ski bums and surf bums. It's the same kind of deal, like the people who, you know, the people who work in the holiday resorts around Thailand or whatever. It's, it's their
0: equivalent of having to hand out flyers out the front of the venue to get stage time.
1: It's exactly that. And yeah. you, know, you know, like if you go to a tropical, like a hot places as well, you know, there's normally those rows of bars that mostly cater to Australians and Brits. Yep. And there's always the people out there shilling like free shots and that kind of thing on the people who clean those apartments. And in exchange, they just get to be out on the beach surfing every day and drinking in at night. And it's the same deal in the ski resorts. They get to ski and board quite a bit. And in exchange, what was great about it though... Is that quite often, because they love skiing? People take like a massive step down um, to be there. So like the chefs who work in a lot of these restaurants right. and resorts are like really good chefs, yeah. but working as short order cooks. So like the guy who worked in the bar that Richard, who runs the ski tour, used to own, um, that like the second in command chef was a guy who worked in H- Heston Blumenthal's kitchen. The rest of the year, like he was like, oh, he worked in like a three Michelin star venue the rest of the year, and he's making eggs and chips for British tourists.
0: Right? Surely he would be better on the snow machines with the dry ice. He's He's giving you mixtapes at the top of the run. Just listen to this on the way down. It will, the experience will be greater. I think we're we're skiing in snail sorbet. Right? (laughs) So. So, what are the gigs like? To run me through, like how the actual shows go. They're,
1: they're generally bar gigs, right? So it's like doing... so they all have like nightclubs and bars at the resorts or yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Assume, so, right? then, like Maribel is very much. Um, um, we did like Maribel We did Val d'Azur, We did uh, Val Thorens. We did Chamonix, um, and they have just like these streets that are full of bars, restaurants, and nightclubs that cater like they're huge tourist destinations. So, and. And the reps let the holidaymakers know about it. Like they often do deals. Like so some of the gigs are more local oriented and some are more holiday makers. One of the gigs we did was just full of in teen was just full of students. Like there was about like three different university groups all on like university ski right. trips. Uh, and presumably their rep had had some hookup with the bar where they're like, hey, do you wanna get a, do you wanna get 20 people down to this show and we'll cut you a deal or whatever? So you're playing to those. It's like the difference it's, it's somewhere between doing a college gig and doing like a bar gig. Right. And doing a weekend gig. It's like, it's like somewhere between those three. So you have to work, but it can be fun. Yeah, you, have to, you don't have to work, work. It's not right. like they, there were none of them this year that we walked in going, this is going to be a disaster. But then there are ones where you walk in and they haven't quite got, like the ones in Maribel has been running for 10 years. They got, they got their shit together, they got the sound system, they got the lights. And then a few of them are like, we were like we were unscrewing light bulbs in the non-stage bits of the room so that the stage bit was lit up
0: right so only gig at the snow i ever did they had not had experience i'm guessing yeah uh because it was a bar also and it was a great lineup but we were all new comedians it was myself and dave hughes and like rove was on with his old uh comedy partner duff and so how long ago was this Oh, this is like 18 years ago, I guess, 19 years ago. So this is
1: one of these ones where if they kept the poster, like now they'd be able to go like, oh, holy shit. Corinne Grant
0: was on the trip. Like, I mean, it was this big, all these people who went on to have like big careers. Yeah. Like, and it was terrible. They they had lights, but the lights didn't make the room any more light than the lights that were already on in the room. <laughs> right. so, so even though when you stood on stage, <laughs> you were like, these are technically lights. They are not changing <laughs> the dynamic in this room at all. Yeah. Secondly, um, they wouldn't turn off any of the lights because they were connected to the whole bar, and this was only in one part of the bar, you know. <laughs> uh, the third thing was that there was a darts game going on, and the board was next to the stage. <laughs> So I imagine if you stepped one step off the stage. <laughs> that's a- where the board is, right?
1: <laughs> a spear. right. And they wouldn't stop the dance. They game. would
0: not stop playing because they were like mid-game when the gig had to start. And like if we were more experienced, someone would have said, "Well, let's uh, if they're not going to stop, we'll let Good. them finish their yeah, game." there's an but, old
1: showbiz rule, right? Don't do a gig when someone's throwing metal pointy things directly at you. Well,
0: the funny thing was, like at the start, you think that the biggest disturbance will be the worry that they're going to, but it was far enough away on the stage that that didn't actually become an issue. But the thing that did become an issue is darts is actually a really noisy game. Yeah. Like, people yell out things like, 180! So they're even shouting at it? Oh, yeah, because they're playing darts. And, the, and also, a just about draws the focus
1: as well. Like, it's constantly drawing focus. Oh, when the
0: audience... It, that's honestly what it's like. Everyone's like, put half of, like, an eye on the darts game <laughs> and half an idea on what's going on. So, yes, that's the only one I've ever done. Your sounds a lot
1: more fun. They, they, yeah, they've been running it for long enough that they, they do things that like the show's in two halves and they close the bar during the acts right so they do stuff like that they like tell them hey get your drinks in the bar's going to be closed until the interval and that so they they do things like that right and they've had really good comics come out over the years again because it's been running 10 years and people come out because they like rich and erica who run it and they like doing the shows and they like skiing uh so they get good good people coming out every year so they kind of get spoiled
0: it's amazing how that experience about somebody uh, treating you well, about Completely. it being fun can, like, you know, somebody was asking me the other day in an interview, they were like, you know, how do you uh, create a good comedy club and get good comedians to come there? And I said, there's so many intangible things, and most of them about the show, but really they're about how much fun they had yeah. when they were having that experience. And if you're in a good club, like a club that looks after you or like, you know, a place where it they're cool, it makes all the
1: difference in the world. Like the, even a the club place- that looks after the comics and the club that looks after the audience, it right. makes them both feel good. Makes all the
0: difference. But also the other thing that I would say on that dynamic is a club that if it comes down to a choice between you and the audience, yeah, picks you. Yes. And that's, like, it's an important thing... Completely. ...to remember. Like, I did... So, I just did a week in Denver. It was my second week in Denver yeah. um, this year. It's, it was... They've been really nice to me. It, I'm officially, I think, I'm biggest in Denver. <laughs> that's my...
1: If I'm looking at... Well, in America, you've got am the biggest I, one.
0: If I have a map of America on my wall of places that I think I'm having a foothold, well, that, Denver's the only one. So
1: I bet that's another place, though, as well, where... Um... Because Colorado is all about skiing and all about outdoor sports, right. I bet there's a load of Australians knocking around around there. Or were they not? Was it mostly Americans? Or?
0: You know what? It was mostly Americans, but I think that what you're saying is right. Because when I was there in February, there was a bunch of Australians who had come down from the, the ski because fields. Because we had the stuff. same
1: when we gigged together in Vancouver. Right. And Vancouver's just like, you, you only have to drive a mile. You only have to drive like about 45 minutes and you're in the mountains. Um, and Vancouver, there were definitely like, all these Aussies who'd come down from the resorts. Oh, were- it would have been a great night to steal shit.
0: Yeah. Like, it would have been, it would have been a great night to do the, pur- the purge at the resorts because nobody was working.
1: No one was there. They were all like, "Went Anderson, what
0: the fuck's he doing in... <laughs> I did have... Uh, my favourite moment probably was because uh, I had to do an all-ages show on New Year's Eve. Oh, so yeah. So, it was a three... It was an interesting week. I like the way that the week structured in the end because I got into town on a Friday rather than a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Right. So got into town, did a double Friday, did your double Saturday. And so by the time the Sunday show comes around, which traditionally can be a bit quieter or a bit... Um, you know, whatever, instead of that being Tuesday or Wednesday, your first night at the club, yep. it's you've already had like four massive full shows. So I loved the Sunday show because I was really in the swing by then and like, you know, you can You got your local and, references, right.
1: you feel comfortable in the room. Yeah, yeah I it loved was the great. Sundays.
0: It was a perfect way to do it though because like normally you get that sort of, if you're going to you have get that
1: a, dodgy Thursday or Wednesday, right, yeah. And
0: you're still not sure if you're funny or if they're going to get you yeah. or like... It was amazing the difference it made. Monday off three shows on the Tuesday for New Year's. But the the big one, the big concern for me was the 5 o'clock show, which was an all-ages show. Yeah. And when I say all-ages, I mean... Ten-year-olds. Fucking all-ages. Oh, ten-year-olds who were looking, like, you know, at other kids going, there are children here. Yeah. Like, there was probably... I'm going to say there was 30 kids under 10. Right. There would have been like a hundred people under 18 uh-huh. in the room. And then like a lot of nanas and right. and stuff like that. So it's like doing a wedding. Yeah. Except like someone else's wedding. Yeah. Where no one knows each other. So you can't even riff on the fact that. Yeah. You Uncle can't even do like, like local jokes about it. Right. Nothing. Um, ended up being a brilliant show. But the reason I bring it up was twofold. One, uh, the entire room was for like families, you know, families yep. who don't normally go out to, you know, Stand up comedy, yeah, and two Australians. And I said to the Australians afterwards, I said, "Why did you come to the five o'clock show?" And they just said, "All we wanted to see is if you could go an entire hour without swearing."
1: <laughs> they really, literally, <laughs> they did.
0: They chose between the shows <laughs> because they were like, "This will add an extra dimension to this," because <laughs> were... we do not believe that he can do this. <laughs> That's very funny.
1: That's great.
0: Uh, the second thing that I was going to say, and this is more to go, to talk about the the, the, r- the room, the yeah. quality of the club. Is So I'm concerned about this show, but I start on, like I said, I'm doing doubles Fridays, doubles Saturday. I've done a bunch of shows before this show. Yeah. And they know what my normal act's like. You know, it's not all ages. Yeah. Not once in that period of time did anyone come up to me and say, hey, are you cool for Tuesday at five? Because, you know, it's got to be all ages. The second thing was that I was like, well, during the 5 o'clock show, I won't drink. Normally, I'll have a drink when I'm on stage, but during the 5 o'clock show, I won't drink because, you know, it's an yeah. all-ages show. I yeah, you don't want me swinging a from beer. a
1: beer on stage. yes, so Right.
0: <laughs> um, and so, but I got to the club and my beer was backstage. Like, I didn't drink while I was on stage, but they had, you know, yeah, they weren't like... They were like, he's going to
1: want a beer. What's right.
0: And, and just little things like that, I know that sounds like... It makes all the difference. But those things make a, a massive difference.
1: Like from from a room setup point of view, I, you you need you need a two thing. Like you need to be clearly heard and seen. So that means good right. sound and lighting. And be you your want first two. and you want the audience to be as close as possible to the stage, yes. to the ceiling, and yes. to each other. Yes. So it's
0: why it's why corporate gigs can be so yeah. terrible because often you're performing on a stage that has a dance floor in front of exactly.
1: Me. So the more intimate, the closer they are to you, the closer they are to each other, and the closer they are to the ceiling, the, the better the atmosphere. Right.
0: But then the, by that he means th- he does not mean put them in high chairs. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> just walk. No, that would be fun. <laughs> you walk into a room and everyone's in those surfing
0: like
1: <laughs> lifesaver chairs. <laughs> just, just, everyone gets given a Baywatch vest and gets shoved up. He, he <laughs> up told you go, him, nana.
0: The closest they are to the roof. Yes.
1: Uh, and a,
0: <laughs> you walk into a comedy club and it's like uh, one of Willy Wonka's corridors, <laughs> and everything just gets smaller, smaller and smaller and smaller. It would be
1: a great club, though. It will be so. <laughs> You're just in the corner telling jokes. But then I've, I've got a little pet theory. Mm-hmm. Um, my theory is, you know, you know, like dogs start to look like their owners. Uh-huh. I reckon after a certain amount of time, comedy club audiences start to behave like the person who runs the club.
0: Oh, it's
1: so my little theory. I like this, and I, I think comedy clubs where the people who own and manage the club are really passionate and caring and fun they end up with audiences that are passionate and caring and fun and once where they don't give a shit the audience stops giving a shit and it becomes hard to deal with i i absolutely agree with what you're saying that i think
0: that does come through and it comes down to that idea of the the dynamic of whose side they'll take in a yeah I, um, yeah, it's, a, it's it's an interesting... It was an interesting experience doing those shows. It, it was such a... I've never done three shows in exactly the same room that I have such a different vibe because the 5 o'clock all ages was brilliant fun. Like They actually were a brilliant audience. And that they was were, on New
1: Year's Eve, right? They're, this was on
0: New Year's Eve. Yeah. And they've come out with the kids at 5 o'clock and then they're yeah, going to put them to yeah. bed and they're all going to get drunk See, or whatever. See, that can
1: be fun. Sometimes when people do... I've, I've done a few comedy club for kids shows, which mm-hmm. a couple of friends of mine okay. run in Britain, and it is exactly what it sounds like. It's like they, they run... They actually just take regular circuit comics who normally do adult shows like yourself, and they put them in front of kids audiences, and and it is just it's for the kids, and so and they've not they're nearly always fun, but there is a thing that when people have their kids and they don't think they're getting what they wanted, right, and that things aren't going quite to plan, people are so much more dickish right. than they ever like parent. Like, a a couple, when they think, like, the food's not quite right, or the show starts late, or the sound's a bit off, they'll be like, hey, the sound's a bit off. But if they've got their kids with them, they suddenly think that they have a right for everything to be... We took our child, and this was just not good. And they they, they get really, like, everything has to be exactly...
0: You have ruined Bevan's opinion of show business. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. (laughs) I don't think he will ever be the same again. Like, if he kills people in the future, this is on you. Uh,
0: We dreamed of a career in audiovisual arts for him. But (laughs) Um,
1: but, Uh, Uh, but, but they were excited. But they, but they, they were all excited. You you feed off that excitement. And I also, I think, like
0: uh, what I feared was because I know that I have plenty of things that don't have dirty stuff in it. Yeah. I. But the problem is that quite a lot of the time, say the first few beats of a joke is the stuff where I could do all that stuff. But when it gets really interesting to me or when it gets really fun or when it gets really extreme is when it gets, you know, dirty. I can do the you know, the, this nice point on gay marriage and this nice point on gay marriage and this nice point on gay marriage. But yep. at some stage, I want to talk about dog fucking.
1: Yeah. That's what i you know. But that's the other, a lot of the stuff, you, you start to realise, and this is something that I've gone through when I've done those kids shows um, as well. And I don't think I've ever done it in close to an hour. I think the longest I've done is about 30. Um, but then they were specifically kids shows rather than shows where I'm playing to all ages and right. then, you know, throw stuff in for the kids. Um, but you start to realise... Even the things that don't have swear words in them, like there's no, there's nothing in the first few bits of your gay marriage routine that is con- that has contentious language or contentious subject matter. But a ten year old just doesn't know enough about the politics to be understand able to, it. To be able to understand it, right. like they barely re- they barely know what marriage means legally. Right. You know, they know that they know that auntie and uncle had a wedding and I got and I had to wear a suit, but they don't know what that what the implications are for mortgage repayments or health insurance or anything. That doesn't mean anything to them. I, you're absolutely right. And then you start to realise how much of your stuff
0: relies on people knowing at least something. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's why we talk about that idea of smart audiences. You know, when you have a joke that is, you're like, oh, they got that? Yeah. They're going to get, you know, all that stuff where it goes like that. And then some nights, they have just like, they just haven't done enough reading. Yeah. Some they're nights... Just- Some nights you have to do, and I've I've fantasised about this before, but some nights I think that you could just show a five-minute package. Like pre-presentation? Yeah. Just here's some shit you'll need to know. (laughs) Like if you're not across this, like, you know, (laughs) this this person says stupid things and here's a picture of this guy. Look how much he looks like this guy. That'll come in handy later.
1: (laughs) Almost like those sort of uh, language lessons at school, the video ones where where they're like, this is French for bus, this is French for tree. This is French for cabin. Now let's put it into practice. Right. Please welcome to the stage, Will Anderson. Will Anderson. <laughs> it's like... Because it's not like I don't think it would spoil the joke. Because by the
0: time you got to the joke, yeah. I think, to be honest, it would only add to the you joke. you a
1: little, ah.
0: Right. The people could tick them off. In fact, that's what I'd have them on. A, yeah. And then I'd put them up on a Brady Bunch style board behind me. Yeah. And each time I did a reference, it could <laughs> just, just ping. I could finally use like a projector, like I do a Dave Gorman show. Yeah. And I could just like cross them out. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, Denver was fun, and you went back to, to London. So, what is, what is what is Christmas involve in London? Uh,
1: well, I mean, it's all as you know, everyone in Britain is an orphan, so <laughs> so what what mostly happens is, you know, we we wander the streets for a while. Uh, an old guy will throw us a bag of money, and we'll have to buy a goose, and. <laughs> It's all. No, I, I. mean, my family's Jewish, so we don't go as hogwild on Christmas, but well, literally. But um, my my aunt, yeah. my aunt and uncle, no. do they do no. Christmas dinner? Uh-huh. So they do. Um. Uh. So we go around to theirs on the day. I don't know. It's kind of nice, though. It's cold. Have you Have you ever done a cold Christmas? Yeah, I. I so I did. Um... Oh, this would have been your first cold Christmas, in no? I was here.
0: Yeah. For Christmas Day. In okay. fact, I was sitting in this uh, room that we are in now, which may be a bit echoey. Yeah. Um, because it's still mostly empty. Did
1: you have people around? Did you do it like an orphan's Christmas? No. So, if you can
0: imagine, Matt, we're in my living room, which now has a table. We're sitting at the table, which yep. arrived a couple of days ago. It's
1: very nice. There's a...
0: Um, and it now has some sort of ottoman coffee table thing, like in the middle of the room. Couches still to come. Yep. However, if you if you if you went back to Christmas Day, this room was completely empty, apart from a cardboard box that had that ottoman in it that I was using as a desk. And I had a tiny little chair next to it, and yeah. I had another box that I was using as my table. And then there was, and it was just me on Christmas Day sitting in this giant empty space on my little box desk <laughs> by myself. Yes. I went and had lunch by myself, and I'm at this cafe, and I look around, and it's just men having lunch by themselves. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I, I live in West Hollywood, so it's like, it's mostly gay men so okay. I'm assuming that like well mostly if you went to a cafe in West Hollywood there's a lot of gay men anyway so maybe I'm overthinking this but I'm also thinking well maybe I'm starting to invent stories you know when I'm sitting there I'm starting to go oh you know what they can't be with their family because they're gay and their family don't accept them and like I'm inventing all this you like see
1: if I were at a cafe on Christmas day and it was mostly men I, in my mind I would be thinking oh they have the kids for Boxing Day right <laughs>
0: like it's just oh right See, that's a good thought. Or have, I, c- I could got have, have thought they tomorrow. were Jewish. I could have thought they were not religious. Yeah. But mostly... Yeah, because West
1: Holly was quite Jewish as well. This. Right.
0: But mostly what I thought was that their parents didn't love them because they were gay. Right. And then I was like, oh my God, that's so sad. And then I started to like, really kind of feel sad for mm-hmm. them. And then I'm like... You're sitting alone, loser, <laughs> on Christmas Day. Who are you to be inventing backstories for other people?
1: Maybe they're just like you. You've given them names as well. <laughs> right.
0: Maybe their apartment doesn't have anything in it and they're going to Denver in two days and they couldn't be asked doing anything. <laughs> Maybe they thought it was sadder to do an orphan's Christmas. Did you did you miss doing Christmas or did you did you have No, nah, Not really. I mean, I talked to my parents the day before and my like my brother and my sister and stuff. Because of course, because it it's a full day before, uh-huh. pretty much, isn't it? So, um, yeah. So, on Christmas Eve here, it was, a, it was a Christmas day in Australia. So, I spoke to all of them that day. Right. And I felt like I did that. And then, it was the first time I realized, like, because I didn't really think about any of these things. These were things that only came to me afterwards. Like, was... That from the outside, if somebody just said to you, "I'm a bit worried about Will," like you know, he's moved away and spends spending a lot of time by himself. And I heard on Christmas, he just sat on a box, sat on a box, and then went, <laughs> looked at a wall, and then went out and, with some gay people whose family didn't love them, and sat around, had a support group, then <laughs> came home and had a few drinks by himself, and went to bed. Like there is some yeah. some parts of it that are a little bit. Um, sad. I didn't get any presents. It was the first time ever in my life that no one had, got, you know, like, because normally yeah. at least if you're home, someone will buy you a present. Mm-hmm. I didn't buy anyone else any presents either, like, because yeah. I'm not, so it's not really, but I was like, there was part of it that was like, oh, you know, he didn't get any presents. He was just alone by himself.
1: He put, like, you bought, like, a, a G-clamp that you could attach one end of a cracker to. Right. Just, <laughs> just pull it. <laughs> I did, I did think and about... A clamp wins, like, it gets the bigger bits, and you're like, oh... <laughs> <laughs> and I can't even read it out. I put the a flashback,
0: cut to, meet the the clamp with a hat on, whistle coming out of its mouth. You're just sat
1: grumpily looking at back at your wall. <laughs>
0: I did actually think about um, uh, the other day someone threw out a Christmas tree, you know, it's obviously got to that point, but the Christmas tree was still good, yeah. and I did think about because I've got my friend Rich crashing in the other room for this week, that when he arrived, because there was still no furniture when he arrived, that I would just arrive and I would have my cardboard box desk and I'd just have a Christmas tree next <laughs> it.
1: And you'd make him put a little crown on, <laughs> and then he'd just sit looking at the tree singing Christmas carols. And- <laughs> And he's like, hey, Will, do you think we should uh, maybe just, you know, go out to a bar or go, even go to bed? You're like, sing another one. <laughs> he's like, it's my first time in L.A. One more. <laughs> <laughs> one more. I need this, Rich. I need this.
0: <laughs> no, so, um, uh, well, do you have family? So, what do you do? Do you do a family Yeah, thing? so we
1: do it. Like, um, it was actually quite nice. I got, um, for the first time in a while, the whole family was together because I was over from America. One, um. I have three younger sisters uh-huh. and the eldest of them lives in Australia. She lives in Sydney. Oh. I so didn't know that. she was uh, yeah, so she was um she was over for the first time in a couple of years. Okay. And I was over and, uh, so and and the other two are still And the other two are still they're they're a fair bit younger, so they're still one of them's only just graduated and okay. one of them is still a student. Alright. Okay. Um, so and, and you all got together. So we were all together and we went to my aunt and uncles and uh
0: that's good. That's that's nice. Yeah, so it was just
1: like it was just my aunt, uncle, my two cousins, uh, one of my cousins' boyfriends, the f- the six of us and then great auntie Hilda who's um she's normally good value. Like she's she's 85 and she's reached that good value old relative stage. What do you mean by that? Well, a couple of years ago and this won't mean as much um, to I guess anyone but your British listeners, but there's a there's a Scottish TV presenter called Lorraine Kelly. Mhm uh who's uh, who hosts a morning TV show in the UK and it turns out Great Auntie Hill doesn't like her she can't understand her clearly and she's been waging a one woman campaign like she is the mad old person right. who writes and phones in to TV stations right and she's been demanding that they that they both take her off the television and send her back to Scotland <laughs> like they're like so, like, she's
0: essentially, she's an old-school troll.
1: Oh, yeah. Like in she's her, a troll without the internet. She's a troll without the internet, except she, she's not just trying to stir up controversy. She just genuinely, she yeah. just wants her sent back to Scotland. One person. Where she belongs. Sent back <laughs> to your own country. Like, coming she, over here, taking British jobs from British-speaking people. Exactly. So, she believes, she somehow believes that a TV station has the power to repatriate people. I imagine they probably do. Yep. I mean,
0: the big ones. Speaking of um, uh, Scottish brogues, uh, last time we were uh, on this podcast... Yes. Uh, we were talking about your friend Karen Gillan uh-huh. uh, from Doctor Who and how, like, I think she's awesome. How, yeah, you're like, I maybe shouldn't meet her. Right. And so... We spoke um, about the fact that she lives around here somewhere, something she lives near, very close nearby there. to where I am. Yes. And that is absolutely true because I've seen her a lot since I've been here. <laughs> Have you said hello? Uh, so I, I'll run you through this. So she, I won't mention the name of the place because, you know, like, even though I'm stalkier, I don't want to give yeah. other people, you know. Um, uh, But she goes to a cafe that's near my house uh-huh. And I go to that cafe quite often And particularly because I've had no furniture I will go there for like, you know, have breakfast But sit there for a couple of hours and work, Do some writing in that. Cafe. Which I have hated Because I just feel like every other fucking asshole in LA Who's sitting at a cafe yeah.
1: How's that how's how's screenplay
0: going? You that's got... <laughs> serious And and I want it. There's part of me There's the ego part of me That wants to go
1: This is real work yeah. I have a real job I've got a career. I've been like I I've, I've, yeah. I've been on TV. Yeah. But but somehow I feel like that will not make it better. <laughs> yeah. It somehow doesn't you just, you just like print out your IMDb page and just right. slide it next Jess, to us. I
0: some of you guys might be pretending, but here's um yeah. this is real work. Um but she also and here's something that I've, I I admire about her is that she also will often go and have breakfast by herself at right. this place. Now, some people find eating by themselves really confronting. Yeah. Like, I imagine as a comic, you have made your peace with the idea that you can eat a meal by yourself or go to the movies by yourself.
1: Yeah, and like, in, in my head, I, I, um, I bet you, I'm sure you do the same, you like, you're constantly going like, do they think I'm a sad loner? Or do I have like some sense of mystery? Like, what's he doing in this town? I bet he's here to solve a crime or something. Like it's right. like you, you build up the most bullshit. Like the people will be talking about it. For, Do you remember that stranger? Yeah. Who sat by himself? He didn't have our accent and he was reading a book. I heard that he didn't eat meat. <laughs> yeah. Where is he from? <laughs> what is he doing here? Should we all not eat meat? <laughs> I do love, I love those things. Like, there's been times where I've walked into a a service station on the way back from a gig in the UK. Because a lot of UK gigs, you drive somewhere, drive to a different city, and then you drive back at one in the morning. And we will stop in at some services to get a snack and a coffee or whatever. And there will be the most unlikely group of people walking together. And you're just walking in going... What do they think we are? Right. Because they'll be like... Like, I've been there. There's been, like, me, Colin Cole, for example, who's, like, a six-foot-seven Australian guy who's a clear decade and a half older than me. Yes. Tanya Lee Davis, who's, like, a Canadian dwarf. (laughs) And and then, like, maybe, like, a a young black guy. Right.
0: (laughs) So, you're some sort of, like, uh, Like, minor-level Marvel... Like, Team. what
1: are we? Like, superhero what, bunch. What circus did we come right. from? Like, it just, like, why is there an American, a Canadian, an Australian, and they all look like they've come from different, like, walks of life, different... Right. Are they recasting it, The Princess Bride? What is going on? It really on? is. Like, different... I love that about comedy, though, because, you know, you do... I have so much more in common now with someone who, like didn't go to didn't go to university or or grew up in a completely different country or is 10 15 years older than me or 10 years younger than me just because we all do this same really weird job then I do someone who went to my school and had like grew up minutes from my house I, that's what I always found weird about um,
0: the idea of like often if you work in uh, particularly breakfast radio in Australia yeah. but uh, because often I've worked like on shows or I know people who worked on shows who are all friends who are on you know essentially competing shows right right? and so then it becomes because people think that radio is real and it's the real world it becomes this idea of like you know they're enemies. They're not. They've just both got jobs, and yeah. they're doing their fucking jobs. But uh, and then they're out and they're talking to each other, and people like, oh my god, they were talking to each other. What's happening? Do you think they're patching up? Like, are they going to fight? <laughs> like, what's going to... And it's one of those things where I always wanted to explain to people. I just would say, you know that. We do the same job. We have more in common with each other than yep. we. We are the people who understand what they're going through. Yeah. When we get together, we talk about the shit that nobody else understands. We
1: both have to set our alarm clocks for three twenty-five. Right. And and we talk about that with someone else who understands it. Yeah. The
0: only other conversations I'm having are with postman and milkman. <laughs> Please <laughs> let me have this moment.
1: Um, but so yeah, you you're somewhere else. Who I like I like I like being in a. I like being in a restaurant by myself quite often, okay, I'm quite happy with my own thoughts, yeah
0: no, I like it. I eat by myself all the time I, yeah. I'm into it um, so she's at the next table a couple of di- different times, yeah. first time I'm like she's on her phone, she's having breakfast i'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother her yeah, um, but the second time, I'm like, you know what? now it's been like a couple of times if i'm if I'm thinking about it, it's weirder than like actually
1: because your face will be doing odd things when right. you like, huh? right. <laughs> and also because she's on a cult show she's u- she's got to be used to getting people looking at her like with like we of she, course she came to a sh- like i th- no it wasn't even a show that i did it was a it was a different show that a f- another mutual friend was doing at the UCB and we were just at the bar next door and she got recognized and within about 10 minutes someone was in the bar wanting a photo Dressed as one of the doctors Oh yeah yeah Like in full on Tom Baker regalia Like with the scarf and the hat And you go Did you have Were you already wearing that? Did you go to get that? He's kept it it in his Like car For this precise moment Like As dreaming that one day But All his friends mocked him for years (laughs) He's like Who's the idiot now? Huh? Still me? Okay
0: Okay. Yeah right (laughs) That's a good point I'm dressed as Doctor Who (laughs) But you're absolutely right. Like, I have a TARDIS joke um, yeah. in my set, and I noticed the further I go away from major capital cities in America, the less that TARDIS joke yeah. uh, works. But last night above a Chinese restaurant at the Comedy Palace, like, I could have closed with that joke that I did 90 <laughs> seconds in. You know, like, it was core demo for people who watch Doctor Who. Right. And I can imagine she's the same. It'd be that perfect thing, man, particularly because her hair's short now, because of the movie or whatever she was doing. Yeah. She doesn't look exactly like she looked on Doctor Who, but for Doctor Who fans, like they, they're going to spot her. But everyone else is going to kind of she's yeah. still not quite famous enough yet that everybody's looking yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would be
1: weird. So that's what I and I. So she's in that weird state, I guess. Like I haven't spoken to her about that, but she's in this weird state where she's like, "Am um, is that person staring at me because?" I'm just an attractive, tall woman in a restaurant, or because they know who I am, or they think they know who I am but aren't sure. Like it's just many different levels of glances. Right, and why is that guy dressed like Tom Baker? <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and think in this case it's category two. <laughs> it's weird that he's chosen Peter Davidson as
0: his outfit, but that's fine. Um, so uh, so the second time I thought you know what, I sh- I should go and. Because yep. what I don't want to be is a person... Here's <laughs> me. Like, in the f- like I'm inventing, like, all these backstories for these this cafe. Yep. I'm also inventing the future where me not having said hello would be problematic and weird. Yeah. Like, that one day, in a really normal way, you know, we're hanging out or something and we bump into each other. I
1: love this, by the way, because last time I was on the show, we spent quite a while talking about the number of times I've been weird with Eddie Izzard. Mm.
0: <laughs> Just... Well, this is what I'm like. And I'm thinking forward to the future where I'm like, oh, she's like,
1: you're that weird guy who... (laughs) You're that guy who's awkward in in that (laughs) West Hollywood cafe. Have you finished your screenplay, loser? (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I I went and said hello. I really... It was quick. Yeah. Because here's my thing. Like, I know what it's...
1: Yeah, you've been on the other side of it many times. Right. I've been with you when there's Australians around. They get very excited. Right.
0: And they do. And I love that. And it's very nice of them. Yeah. However, you know, I don't want to be, I yeah. don't want, I don't want her to feel uncomfortable. So I think in that situation, you've just got to get straight to the point. Yes. Like, you know, you don't want to be like, hey, and then have to have them fill in with like a, hey, <laughs> like you just got to go, you just got to say hello, get their attention. Yeah. know, yeah, Do your speech. Uh, I chose the speech from the end of uh Goodwill Hunting.
1: <laughs> and, uh... Not the one from the middle where you just confronted her and told her it wasn't her fault many times. <laughs> it's not your fault. What are you talking about? It's not your fault. <laughs>
0: Until she starts crying and you've done your job. I did Matt Smith's dying speech from the Doctor Who episode that hadn't actually come out when this happened. It yep. was amazing. Um, I, no, I, this is this was what I went with. You okay. can, and you can run me through um, how, okay. how, you, how you think I went okay. in this situation. I said, um, hello. I said, uh, firstly, I'd like to say I'm a big fan. I think you're fantastic. Uh, also, I believe that we have a mutual friend. And she went, oh, who? And I said, Matt Kirshen. And she said, oh, I'll tell him that you said hello. Mm-hmm. That was it. <laughs> That's it. But that That's seemed cool. like... That was all right, right? Yeah. And I enjoyed that she said, I'll tell him that you said hello. Yeah. Because that had a level of familiarity with you that I enjoyed. Excellent. And that was it. But she clearly didn't tell you. She didn't, but I no. only saw her. What a lying what bitch. A bitch. What Seriously. a bitch. Seriously. <laughs> Can you ma- imagine if next time I went down there and she's at the next table and I just look at her like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you promised. Liar. <laughs> you promised Matt. I saw Matt. And he said that you did not say hello.
1: How can children believe your words? Jeez. Actress. I guess all actresses are liars yeah. when it comes down to it. It's like you're pretending. It's not even her real name. <laughs> She's probably never travelled in time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beginning to doubt everything I've ever seen you
0: do. <laughs> so, anyway, that's... That, that's Update people have can have an update on that's ha- how it's going. I feel like it's going well so far. I feel like I didn't embarrass myself.
1: I think you're all good.
0: Yeah, no, I thought it was good. I feel like in the future, when I then meet her, I'll be able to like bring up that yep. time.
1: I'll be like, ah, see, 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 I'm friends, we're all good. It's true, we're all good.
0: Then later on, I'll get drunk and berate her about not passing it <laughs>
1: <laughs> You fucking you said you would
0: just me you see her in the corner and I've just got like one arm on the wall yeah. kind of just, just vaguely just with my body language, like. <laughs> just too close like not in a way that you have to intervene but yeah. in a way that you feel like
1: at some stage you'll yeah. have to intervene <laughs> <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> she's just like slightly wincing every time you exhale
0: <laughs> you're like what have you been drinking are you a person that imagines future scenarios in that way? I think that sometimes that's a comedian's sort of thing to do. Oh, totally. That, like...
1: And I, I I write material that way as well. Like like my f- I, I, I write material sometimes by having imaginary arguments with people who don't exist. Right. Like half of my half of my stand up, particularly when I get more argumentative with my stand up is basically one extended straw man argument. Right. Like I'm just, I've am just, i just set myself up an easy opponent and I'm just arguing it out in my head as I'm driving or as I'm in the shower. I'm like, God, I wouldn't want to be that person that is basically a version of me right now. Right. And then I'll blurt it out on stage.
0: I often think that's a good way of like being able to express both yeah. sides of the argument, though. Like, it's invent an enemy, I always say. That's what <laughs> oh, I it call it, invent an enemy. Like rather than me getting out on stage and saying here's what I want to say about not eating meat, it's always nice to put in the the arguments against it that yeah. people in the audience have in someone's mouth and be
1: like. Although I I hadn't even occurred to it right now until just now, but I I know I do straw man it, and I bet it's very easy to do that. Like it's very easy to kind of go and these people say. Well like, you know, these right wingers will tell you and you go, Well, hang on a second. Yes, they do, but you've just given yourself a very easy right winger to slap down.
0: Oh yeah. It's like <laughs> the, it's the easiest argument of all time. Yeah. It's you acting out your fantasy argument. <laughs> yeah, like- It totally is. It's not a real argument. It's absolutely, we're just going like, oh. It's you going, imagine, look at how I've refashioned the world into how I have a snappy
1: answer for every question. I I think that's one of the reasons why like I've got, every one of my last like solo shows has had a chunk of material about gay marriage or gay rights. And part of that reason, I think, is I like doing political and social commentary material. And... I can't think of any easier, more clear-cut, more glaringly right. obvious, like like the gay, gay rights issue is so obvious, right. like it's so, the counter-arguments are so inherently absurd that it becomes incredibly easy to write opposing tricks, because all you have to do is think about any counter-argument, find someone who said it, and there's always someone who said it. And the counter-argument is... Doesn't make sense. It's so... And it's it can, so easy to It just can never down. make sense. So you're always like, oh, this is brilliant. All you need to do is just tag the tiniest punchline on the end. And and you're done. There are other things that I believe. You know, I'm I'm left of centre when it comes to taxation and welfare and things like that and, and immigration. But I don't have the stats handy. I don't have the full information. If someone starts coming up, coming at me with percentages and raw numbers, I'm... I'm like, oh, well, um, hold tight for a second, I've got to Google for it, and I'm going to come back to you with a counter-argument. <laughs> whereas, whereas when it comes to some things like LGBT stuff, that it's, it's so obvious! Like, it's so just there, and it's so clear-cut that the people who are arguing against it are just are dinosaurs and on the wrong side of history, and it, it, it's incredibly simple to write material.
0: It's amazing uh, what you're saying for a couple of reasons, but firstly, I agree with you 100%. Because... There's very rare things in our generation that we've had to rail against. Yeah. You know, like a lot of the w- hard work's already been done. Yeah,
1: and there's still huge problems with, like, inequality. And there's, there's arguments that, you know, I feel in like Britain. There's the National Health Service being dismantled and, and austerity measures for that the Conservatives are bringing in that are screwing over a large, large number of people's fire stations just got shut down in central London by Boris Johnson, the mayor. And there's, there's loads of bad things that are happening. But they're complex, nuanced situations.
0: Like, it's rare that you have something that's black and white. You know, previous yeah. generations had... Black and white. Black <laughs> they, and white. They literally had that. Yeah. And they certainly had issues with about censorship and what you could say on stage and all these things that yeah. you could... But our generation, like, what was shocking anymore? And what was an injustice? And the gay marriage thing... Is so obvious to anyone who has it, a brain.
1: Exactly. It's you know, and there are still problems with censorship, and there are still huge oh, problems definitely. with race, and Evolving there are still problems yeah, with all those. things. Absolutely, and there are problems with race, and there are problems with with privacy and intrusion of the government. Hang and on, are you saying that comedy didn't solve all those things? <laughs> it came close. It came very close. <laughs> then Lenny Bruce died. I know. <laughs> we thought it was done, but it, it nearly, nearly, but not quite. Uh, but, <laughs> but you know, there's obviously still massive problems with all those issues. But they are so much more subtle and they're so much more nuanced. And right. no mainstream politician, for example, could get away, even like in America or, or Britain or Australia, with saying things like, I don't believe white people should be allowed to marry black people or black children shouldn't be allowed in schools or anything like that, which mainstream politicians were saying in America within living memory. Within our lifetimes. W- yeah. Like within just
0: barely more than my lifetime, Aboriginal people were considered flora and fauna in Australia. Like there's- Which is incredible. You know, it's – these aren't – you know, this wasn't a million – we should – like, there's a big part of me that often thinks we should definitely take some time along the journey to applaud how far we've come in such a short period of time. Because if you look at how much we have evolved on those things, you know, in the last hundred years, say, compared to how much those things evolved previously, it's it's – Going well, but there's just a but, lot of other still, work to go.
1: There's also a bit of discomfort about a couple of white guys applauding themselves for being so good on race when there's still huge racial inequality and there's still huge problems with the.
0: Absolutely. And um, it's not like when gay people get married, that's going to solve everything. No, of there course. There will be not. problems. Like, for example, there was a guy arguing with me on the. And he was doing that. He was doing the reverse of what we do in right. our stand up.
1: Oh, so you're saying. Right. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, right. He was being very.
0: Like, he used the example, and this is these fuckers like you know sometimes you just like you hate someone for some one reason but you also hate them for like another reason oh yeah like firstly i hate these guys for what they did but secondly i hate it for the fact that they can now be used forever as this fucking argument by these idiots right uh-huh. so two austral well one was an australian man and i think another one wasn't an australian man but a guy a couple a gay couple who got married uh, adopted a kid and abused a kid and like took it into child pornography and, like, it was a real... And so now that is the... So, A, I hate that and them and everything that they did and they should be, you know, it was horrible, the whole thing. But secondly, I hate them extra because they fucked it up for everybody. Right. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing that the bigots will use to say, well, we can't let... You know, overlooking the fact that there's been millions of times that heterosexual people have... Far
1: more. And and it's the same thing. Like, every gay... uh, Again, it's really difficult. Like, any gay couple who get married... Like gay divorce is going to become an increasing thing, right? Uh, but every 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 time a gay marriage doesn't work out, oh, yeah. it gets held up as an example of a failure of the system, rather right. than just hey, you know, like a large percentage of of all marriages, one in whatever two. the genders, yeah, don't work out, right? Like it's just
0: but, in most places at least one in two, yeah. In some places more than one in two,
1: and it. But, but again, because there's that, appallingly bigoted conflation of homosexuality with pedophilia like again most pedophiles are straight <laughs> most right. most uh so, most is true. and
0: so and i guess the, what i was trying to say about that was the, the idea that when gay people get married that's not going to suddenly solve it will create a range of its own problems Absolutely. in the same way as the way we're dealing with race creates a range of its own problems in the way that yeah. you know the, clearly same way, the end
1: of apartheid in south africa Lintour. didn't fix it no yeah south africa is still like right. a mess but at least it's a mess where black people can vote and can right be- can be president and so on though. Yeah, that was the thing that I was like,
0: when Mandela died, you did, the critics who were trying to look for something, there was two things that you found that some assholes who just can't enjoy a nice moment. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mandela didn't, A, pretend to be a saint. Yep. You know, this was a dude who had a, bu- a bunch of failed relationships, which is pretty good for a guy who's in prison for 27 yeah. years, <laughs> to have a string of kids and, like, a string of marriages and all those sort of things. And, you know, he himself, like, you know, made a, a lot of mistakes. But the the one thing that was overwhelming about him was that when he came out of pr- prison, he advocated for forgiveness in that situation. Mm-hmm. and And people were like, well country still got a lot of problems. Yeah, it had fucking heaps of problems then. Yeah. It's got a whole bunch of different problems now. Guess what? everyone has got a fucking bunch of problems at the moment. Yeah. Like Mandela wasn't magic. Like he just, you know.
1: Yeah. And 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 it's always going to be a difficult thing when two groups of people who were previously legally kept apart and classified differently right are allowed to and ha- and still have huge wealth inequalities and everything are suddenly allowed to mix. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't make that happen. <laughs> like it doesn't mean that like, you, you know, when uh, when if we let black people and white people be equal, um, there's like it's gonna it's gonna be there's gonna be difficulties. Oh well, then we should probably still keep yeah. them as sub sub we'll just subhuman. Keep them let's apart, just then. keep keep them. Yeah. Let's still consider them as animals, and then let's not. Yeah, there, that's there'll just, be no problems. It'll be better. Ongoing. It'll all still be better.
0: The Germans don't seem to like the Jews. We should just you know what? Let's just keep them apart anyway. Yeah, but like, one, like,
1: yeah I mean them the mix. It's gonna be awkward, if, right? If, if, if they yeah, you get rid of that I and like, mean, let it mix, I mean
0: let's just. No, absolutely right. And so I was listening – I'm going over to a gig the other night and I'm I'm in a rental car and I uh, am flipping through the radio stations. I'm just trying to find something to listen to. Normally I listen to an AM sports radio station over here, but Mm -hmm. they were – it was a radio broadcast of an American college baseball game, and I was like, even by my standards of shit that I can
1: listen to in sports, this is, I can't this this, is,
0: I can't listen to a game I don't understand with two teams that I don't know about who are at college.
1: Yeah, on the radio <coughs> as well. I mean, like college sports in America are a big deal compared to right. Yeah, no, can I can't think I can, I can't imagine like two Ameri- two British, or two Australian universities slugging it out and like it, having. No, the whole town come out but there are some towns like where the college football team some cities where the college football team is the team because it doesn't have an NFL franchise but also in some of the
0: places where they have NFL franchises the college football is as big as the NFL like
1: these are massive games it's huge but I still don't I don't know anything about it I've just I've just half learnt the rules of baseball and I went to my first I went to a Dodgers game uh, last month it was my first baseball experience what was that like? it was kind of fun yeah? yeah it was good it was, uh, I'd like to go to the baseball. It was I, I kinda got it a bit and like I you know, I was with enough people who knew the rules and could explain what was going on. So I was like, okay, I, I get it now, I get I get what's happening.
0: I've watched Major League and Field of Dreams, so yep. I should be fine. Okay. Bull Durham. I feel like I'm across it. Yeah. <laughs> I watched the need. natural. I watched Eastbound and Down. Surely between those five things you should I've have worked all out. All right? I think I saw Major League too. Yeah. Um so <laughs> <laughs> but you were the one? <laughs> <laughs>
1: so um, I'm,
0: see, I'm flipping through the radio stations. See,
1: yeah, like college, college baseball, no.
0: Trying to find something to listen to. Terrible. I don't want to be one of these old people, but there's a lot of terrible music on the yep. radio at the moment. Um, it's just
1: noise. And in it's LA, just, it's, just
0: noise. It's, it's either noise or Eminem and Rihanna singing Monster. They're the two things that I could get. And I was like, okay, well, I can listen to that once, but I can't listen to it on every station. So I've I've gone into like a a biblical station. Oh. So it's like a like a right wing radio yep. host interviewing like another guy about like the Bible, and they're talking about gay people, and I'm just like, this is
1: you're like, okay, this is going to make me angry, but right. I'll probably come out of it with a punchline.
0: But the thing about it was they were ta- they were having this really in depth conversation that you could ne- never really summarise in this way. But the gist of it was this: yep. that their argument was that in someone had warned back in the 80s that if preachers didn't stand up about gay marriage one day they would be accused of being like racist by for not wanting to do like gay marriages in their churches right that's the premise which by itself is pretty tortured Secondly, so
1: hang on. If they don't stand up for gay marriage now, yeah, back in the day, stand up for, uh, no against gay marriage. Sorry, yeah, I, yeah.
0: Like so, so, basically, what he wanted them to do was back in the nineties or whatever, everyone had to come out against gay marriage and say no, we can't have it because his theory was, as soon as some people let gays getting married, then there'd be pressure on all of them, and if they said they wouldn't do it, they'd be considered like racists were considered in the old days,
1: which is that bit of it is actually true. Yes, like I do, I do actually agree with like. Like if it's like again, if you don't stand up against uh in favor of segregation and against the racist mixing, then one day you will be considered a bigot for not allowing a black man to marry a white woman in your church. Right. But that's And rightly so. Yes. <laughs> because the, you, are, you, are and you are a bigot a bigot. Yes. <laughs> like just,
0: but this is my point. They couldn't they were so frustrated that that people were calling them racists. Which they weren't, yeah. by the way, but they managed to conflate the it to of be right, like, yeah. you know. No, but they were actually like, no, they're calling us racist. They're not. I'm sure you are a racist, <laughs>
1: <laughs> most likely. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure
0: you are a racist. How can I
1: be homophobic when well, right. my best friends are black? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was
0: fantastic because it was one of those things where you're, you're making, you're just making the argument that most normal people have made in their head and gone, oh, no, hang on, no, we should let gay people get married if they want to get married. Well, but- it's a
1: perfect, it's, it's like they've taken the reductio-absurdum argument and just landed on the other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. Like, all of us have just gone, um, well, hang on a second, this is basically the same deal as when people are banning interracial relationships. These are people who happen to be, have this sexual orientation, and who are we to deny one group of, consensual adults the same right that another group of consensual adults have the general um, consensus at, from our society is that being born gay is something that naturally happens
0: yeah and as a society we tend to not discriminate on people based purely on a quirk of how you're born yeah that seems to be at the very heart of discrimination and, surely. and they've gone
1: like and they've they we've taken that argument i got a second like not letting gay people marry is a bit like well, when they wouldn't let interracial people marry so we should let gay people marry and they've sort of landed on the other side mm. going, uh, not letting gay people marry is a bit like pe- not letting interracial couples marry. Uh, so we better stop gay marriage from happening or we'll be accused of being like the people <laughs> who are stopping interracial couples. Do
0: you think, Matt, yeah. that um, much like there are people now, yeah. uh, one of them in the Australian Parliament, Corey Bernardi, uh, who says that if gay people get married, people will marry their dogs, yeah. Uh, do you think that when black and white people were getting married, there was someone back there who was like, "Well, what's fucking next, mate? Next fucking a man or marry another
1: man?" Yeah. And somewhere he's sitting, feeling really justified. Like, now. I, told I, told I, I told you. I fucking told you. I told you. <laughs> I fucking told you. I, I think we both have jokes about the uh, in our sets about the what next dogs. Like right. we both have bits that take that. argument. Like, one, uh, well, because it's, it's such a it's ridiculous hilarious. argument again. Because it's and again, so it's not something
0: that we made up. It's something
1: that people say people out loud. Have, like not only people, but in America and in I guess in Australia as well, and Brit- um it is something that mainstream. Like ma- we had the gay marriage debate in Britain, um, and what was one of the amazing things was David Cameron, the Conservative That's Prime right. Minister, who I, I yeah you know, I don't agree with a vast majority of his policies. I. Dislike him and his government, but to his credit, he came out in favour of gay marriage, which is a first for a right-wing leader in Britain.
0: But also, the other thing about this, and I've made this yeah. point before, but I just want to make it briefly, which is this: that marriage is, by its very nature, a conservative idea.
1: I don't even want to get usually, married myself, like hugely so, right? And that I think that's another fight for another time. Like the, the fact that people, the fact that gay couples and every have to marry to be able to have certain health care rights and certain inheritance rights and so on that other couples don't is ridiculous the fact that you have to buy into this this legal contract between the two there is an absurdity to that and i think that's another problem but so, it
0: always makes sense to me that like a, a conservative government would bring it in because yeah. like we've already
1: like acknowledged the idea. marriage isn't a liberal concept right. but so is denying but if you are going to have it denying it to one group of consensual adults is bullshit. But
0: also, if we've already agreed that gay people are fucking, like, if we've already, like, agreed that they're fucking and we're, like, it's legal that they fuck...
1: And in Britain, they could already adopt kids and they could live together in civil unions, but you're still, like, going, we can't let you have our word. This is our word. Right. It's it's really... But um, what I was going to say, in that debate, one of the conservative politicians, one of the other conservative politicians, actually said the phrase, Adam and Eve not Adam and Steve. Oh, people say it. Blurted <laughs> it out. <laughs> people say these things. Cory Bernardi,
0: who's a senator in the Australian government, not only said that, if, like, that people would marry their dogs, but he, he talked about the fact that there was already people out there who were doing perverted things with dogs, and they, they might demand the right... And I'm like, yeah. so, the first half of
1: your sentence, <laughs> let us bond together to stop the dog fuckers. But... <laughs> yes. so, yeah, I think I find out my bit... Um dogs can't give
0: consent no can't <laughs> like, no matter how much they hump your leg <laughs> exactly. no matter even if you've taught them to nod their head bow can't consent <laughs> even season milan can't fuck a
1: dog <laughs> like even the dog whisperer they won't he can't get that dog to say i do he can't <laughs> you can get it to say sausages <laughs> 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 it's not the same it's not the same
0: <laughs> all right I, it, uh, yeah okay it's about time we should finish up it always takes a little while to to wind this up uh what uh, have you got coming up, Matt? Well, we're both doing a show together tonight, but I probably won't put this up in time gonna, for people to but hear about we that. we are
1: doing other show, another show together, and a couple of shows in the same event, in the same area at San Francisco Sketchfest.
0: Yes, we are indeed. Um, if I have, I know, I know that I do have San Francisco listeners, and if anyone's going for Sketch Fest as well, it's my first time in San Francisco. Oh, have exactly. you done shows there before?
1: I've done quite a few shows there in the past, and it is a fantastic city. Uh, um, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really
0: excited to go there and do the shows and do and the sketch fest. They're great
1: audiences. Uh, it's, d- it's a really cool place
0: to do I did, I'm doing a show, uh, like a double bill with Dave Hill. I know one night I'm doing uh, Kurt Branagh's show one night. I'm doing set list. I'm doing
1: prompter. Uh... We're both on those shows together. Okay,
0: cool. Nice And one. then I'm
1: doing a couple of two-headers at the punchline with Aparna anchala. Um, and I'm doing a, we're doing a live version of our podcast, Probably Science. Oh, awesome. So we're going to be doing a, we're going to be doing a live one of those at 4 p.m. on the 7th, Saturday, the 7th of February.
0: Oh, awesome. Everyone should get involved in that. That'll be fantastic. Yeah, Um, so... My Australian tour is uh, on sale. It's, it's not actually that far away now. Um, Adelaide, Brisbane, Melbourne and Sydney. All those dates are on sale at the moment. WillAnderson.com.au for all the links Wait. to that. But uh,
1: Oh, and also while we're plugging stuff. Yeah, um, plug. This is getting into like the end of February and the beginning of March. But the last weekend of February, I'm doing. Um, I'm in Michigan. I don't know if you got Michigan listeners, but uh,
0: uh, I'm sure we might have. Doctor, I'm not sure where Michigan is, but
1: Doctor Grins in Grand Rapids, Michigan, is basically slap bang in the middle of the country on the on the border with Canada. Oh, okay, like, cool. Like right where that where that lake is, right in the center. Yep, Michigan's right. on the right hand side. You know where Chicago is? Yes. If you follow Chicago is on the like on the southern tip of the lake. If you follow the lake up round towards the east, that's where that's Michigan, and the first big city you get to is Grand Rapids which is where I'm playing and then I'm at the improv the Hollywood improv I'm doing my um a headline show at the Hollywood improv on the 7th of March
0: oh that'll be awesome that should be fun that's yeah. my first time doing that it's always, that's a great venue that I like. That. I, re-
1: I feel like that's my club it's got a the... lot
0: of great history but also since they've redone it like I did Rick Overton's show the other night and it was such great fun it's fun yeah I really I had a good time uh, people can find you on Twitter as well
1: at Matt Kirshen at Matt Kirshen and then probably Science is the podcast and, uh, which you've p- been on before
0: yes it's fun
1: we should gotta get you back and Karen on. Gillen has been on she has been on that show I
0: listened to her episode
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have a problem <laughs> while I stared
0: at her in the cafe. It's like, oh my God, you know things about science. So attractive. Or did I say that out loud?
1: <laughs> I know Matt. Remember that I know Matt. Oh, that's worse? Okay. Uh, sausages. <laughs>